again at 9.06 on a Monday night. It's June 15th. My name is Tom Kearney, and this is a little bit of live and in real time radio. And tonight we're going to talk about the weather, something they've been talking about on News Radio 680 WPTF for 95 years. And we're just going to come with tonight's update. And as usual, at, uh, for the last few years, uh, weather person, meteorologist, uh, Nick Petro of the National Weather Service, located on the Centennial Campus of NC State University, is going to be our guest tonight, and we're going to talk about the weather in general, maybe any trends that he notes that we ought to be aware of, and uh, the situation vis-a-vis hurricanes for this year. We have attempted a couple of programs on that, and we've sort of partially filled it out, but there's nothing wrong with reiterating some of the the things that we need to know about hurricanes, particularly if you're new to the area and haven't experienced hurricanes before. Nick, are you there? Tom, yes, I am. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Good. John, make sure Nick uh, spots that pine up now, and we want to make sure we get the the sound. Uh, Did you hear what I had to say about what you were going to talk about tonight? Absolutely, Tom. Looking forward to, to tonight's show. Okay. Uh, I said we'd talk about sort of the weather in general and where we are here. We are uh, a week away, uh, I think it's this coming weekend, that the uh, astronomical summer comes to us. Uh, You meteorologists start the summer on, I believe, June 1st, as you do the uh, official hurricane season. So that's the kind of stuff that we're going to be talking about tonight. But... uh, uh, how about taking a look at the, at the weather situation as if you were doing a forecast for us? Well, Tom, it looks like um, we've got a very wet weather pattern in store uh, for the next couple of days. We've got an area of low pressure, um, not tropical, uh, uh, you know, in nature, but just more of an ordinary low pressure system that's uh, presently um, along the coast. Um, the hurricane, the National Hurricane Center is kind of watching it, but but they're not really, uh, you know, too concerned that um, that it's going to be, uh, you know, be a tropical uh, entity. Uh, rather, it's just an ordinary low pressure system that's going to um, to move up along the Carolina coast uh, uh, through the next couple of days, and it's going to bring us a couple bouts of rain. Um, so we're looking at anywhere from two to maybe three, as much as four inches of rain. Um, over the course of the next um, couple days through through Wednesday, and uh, folks need to be uh, be alert because when you have rain of this magnitude, um, especially for places that keep getting hit over and over again, especially places that see heavy downpours, then our concern at that point becomes flash flooding. And even if it isn't flash flooding, you know, even just poor drainage flooding, urban flooding. You know, flooding the low-lying areas can can really uh, happen quickly in this type of scenario, and uh, and really become threatening very quickly. Um, so, uh, so you know, our our number one advice to folks is just slow down on roadways if you're driving. If you live near a stream or creek that has a history of flooding, pay close attention to the weather, and and obviously um, never drive through areas where water covers the roadway. The, the thing that you were describing is what I saw on my weather map when I looked and saw uh, an X mark just off the Georgia coast, uh, and it said that there was about a 10% chance of it becoming a, a tropical storm over the next few days. And so that's that's what you're talking about, moving up the coast and, and dropping all this rain. Correct. Yeah, that that, that is uh, what I'm referring to. Um... But I think uh, I think it's going to be on its way uh, out of here before it really has a chance to uh, to become you know any type of, of 
you know, uh, system of tropical nature that we have to be concerned about uh, in terms of, you know, dangerous winds or, or storm, storm surge type uh, uh, concerns. However, that said, um, that doesn't mean we're out of the woods, so to speak, with hazards. And again, the hazards that uh, I'm mainly referring to um, are um, heavy rain and, and potential for flash flooding hazards. It's just going to be downright wet the next few days. So folks <laughs> really need to be careful. Just wet. Well, now, I always like to get emails from you, and I wasn't the only one that got this. Uh, it's apparently going to be, a, what do you call it, a web linear, linear or but about uh, uh, some currents along the coast that uh, is related to something in Wilmington. Is it all right to talk about that tonight? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, in fact, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, um, you know, this time of year, especially a lot of folks headed to the um, headed to the beach, you know, uh, one of the biggest concerns, whether there's any bad weather or not, even on nice weather days, are rip currents. And uh, we're really just trying to raise awareness of the threat of rip currents, uh, especially as we head into the uh, peak of the summer vacation season, folks headed to the beach. Um, so uh, absolutely, our, our uh, colleagues down at the National Weather Service in Wilmington are are putting on a program uh, that will um, uh, address and discuss uh, rip current threats and, and rip current safety. So certainly would uh, you know like to, uh, I, I believe it's open to the public, so I'd like to uh, invite um, certainly everyone to, uh, to check that out. If you go to the National Weather Service Wilmington's webpage, uh, you can learn more about that, weather.gov slash Wilmington. And what I'd like to do now is take a quick break and then talk a little bit about the hurricane season. We, you know, as I said, we we uh, had some technical problems a couple of weeks ago and and didn't cover as as well as we might like to situation vis-a-vis the hurricane season and what is to be expected and 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 also uh, the things that you folks went through on uh, your your week of preparedness for hurricanes. Is that okay with you? Oh, absolutely, Tom. I'd be happy to uh, talk about that. All right. Okay, we'll take a break. Nick Petro of the National Weather Service uh, is our guest tonight. And uh, Um, if you uh, are new to the area and you've never been through a hurricane season, you need to know sort of what you need to look out for. And there don't need to be any surprises here. And if you have been here a while, you know you can never have too much information. So we'll find out about the forecast uh, for uh, the current hurricane season, uh, which is coming up, and then some things that you need to do to get ready for it, and any other weather information that Nick Petru happens to have on hand right after this. We need to talk to you about our friends at King's Auto. When servicing your car, you need to know your cycle of service. The cycle of service begins the month you buy your car. That cycle does not necessarily match with the normal seasonal changes. At King's Auto Service, they will schedule your service intervals based on that cycle. For those using synthetic oil and driving limited miles, you may go months past the normal service based on these miles, and you'll need to schedule your service two or three times a year. During your service, King's will check wipers, belts, tires, and transmission levels. For those of you currently driving a Toyota Prius or some other hybrid vehicle, the certified hybrid technicians at King's are now able to refurbish your high-voltage battery pack for less than the dealer would charge to replace it. This usually occurs, by the way, the need to replace the battery pack at around 150,000 miles. Call King's tomorrow to schedule a courtesy battery analysis. 
King's Auto Service and King's Correct Loop. Easy to find at 1039 Northwest Street in downtown Raleigh and at kingautomotive.net. King's Auto Service, Raleigh's most reliable auto care since 1946, and the very place Mrs. Kearney and I take our two cars. John, is Nick ready to talk about the weather? Hello, Nick. Hey, Tom. Yes, I'm here. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I was checking with John, and John Sauter is our producer, as is as usual, and he keeps us together. I'm in one place, and you're in another. But let's let's talk about the the predicted hurricane season from, the, say, the National Weather Service and any other that you might want to bring in. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to do that. So, you know, back in late May, on the 21st of May, in fact, uh, NOAA released its annual uh, hurricane uh, season prediction. And the expectation was a 60% chance of above-normal season and uh, with only uh, a 10% chance of a below-normal season and a 30% chance of a near-normal season. So what, what that means, you know, quite frankly, is that the uh, um, confidence is really high that we're going to see a, a little bit uh, busier season than we ordinarily would. And what we mean by a busier season is um, as many as 13 to 19 named storms. Um, normally we have 12. And of those uh, named storms, we expect six to 10 of them to become hurricanes. And, and normally we would see around six of them become hurricanes. And of those hurricanes, we expect three to six of them, three to six, uh, to become major hurricanes, you know, with category three or higher winds, and normally that would be three major hurricanes. So you can see that um, certainly, um, uh, you know, the, the uh, data would suggest that uh, it's going to be busy, and it already has been busy. We've seen already three, uh, three named systems uh, this uh, season. So we're off to a fast start, and uh, certainly, um, you know, uh, it, it could, be, could be quite a busy, uh, busy season. Well, let's talk for just a moment. I always like to do this about how the hurricane season normally goes in this part of the world. And uh, it, it maybe has started a little bit early, but that is the actual appearance of the storms. The official starting date, of course, is, is June 1st. Uh, but it really tends to pick up for this part of the world about the middle part of August and through September. Uh, and you're, you're here to check me. If I, I'm practicing meteorology without a license here, so you have to check on me and make sure. <laughs> but usually there's a, it's kind of like a bell curve. It starts to pick up in, in August and tops out about September 6th or 10th or somewhere like that and then gradually goes off. But we have had, well, one of the benchmark hurricanes, Hazel, occurred in mid to late October back in 1954. And uh, Raleigh's last... Uh, Hurricane that hit us dead on was Fran, and it I think arrived on September fifth or sixth, nineteen ninety six. So that that's there will there will be quiet, and then there will be uh, there will be storms. Well, you know we've we've had uh, like I mentioned, we've already had two in May, and then one in June so far. We had Arthur, which was a tropical storm, and Bertha, which was a tropical storm, in May. And, and in fact, Arthur got going in mid May, which um, you know isn't too out of the ordinary, but certainly before the traditional start of the season. And then Cristobal uh, got going um, and, and uh, lasted for, gosh, a little bit more than a week there in, in early June, earlier in the month. So, uh, so yeah, so we're already uh, 
we're already off to a fast start. Like you said, the, the peak is around the 10th of September. Um, but yeah, I mean, I the, the two that come to my mind, uh, you know, Massey was an October storm. So, um, you know, and that was a devastating storm. Um, so we've got, we've got a long season ahead of us, I think. And certainly, um, you know, here we are in June and we're not even close to the ramp up. You know, we start looking for that uh, tropical cyclone activity to begin ramping up uh, here in August. So, uh, and then with the peak in September, and then things are really, um, really not winding down until late October. So, you know, I, just because there's nothing out there right now, or maybe even, you know, even in the early July, if things are kind of not terribly active, that doesn't mean that things won't get going. So, um, so we got a long way to go, but you know what? There's one thing I want to remind folks that's so important to, to remind folks that, you know, we, we always throw out these numbers every year, you know, in May, the forecast and, and some universities and others do it even before them. We throw out these seasonal numbers, you know, I want folks to know that it doesn't matter what the season, uh, prediction calls for. You only really need one storm to uh, really turn your life upside down. So, uh, so why not prepare for that one storm? Prepare every year like it's going to be an active hurricane season. So, you know, while the data is suggesting that this one's going to be plenty active, we need to prepare the same every year. We need to prepare every year like it's going to be a, a crazy active season just because it only takes one storm to really devastate. Uh, and if your, you your, get all your, that stuff in your, uh, a guy told me this one time, if you get all that stuff in your pantry, your closet, you know, the canned foods, the, the stuff that you would need in case of a storm, and, and the storm does not come, then you can just use it for the ice storm in the winter when when it comes. And you can yeah, use yeah. the same in stuff. Fact, and I think this year one of the things it sounds like you're saying to me is that we need to be more, or at least very attentive, uh, to the weather and stay tuned uh, and don't don't lose contact with the weather service and, and you can of course stay tuned to WPTF and I think it's particularly important to do that because the presence of the uh, uh, the, the virus is going to present problems if, if evacuations have to take place and it's something that at least ought to be given some thought. Absolutely, and you know if if you. If you're you're listening now and you've had to evacuate in the past, if you are in a place that typically floods during a hurricane, and if you've had to evacuate in the past, uh, you definitely need to be thinking well in advance where you're going to go and what you're going to do, um, so that uh, obviously not only you could be safe, but you could take the pre- precautions that you need to now that we're in this uh, you know COVID situation with. Um, social distancing and whatnot. So give a little extra time and thought to think about that now. And if you're new to the area, ask your neighbors, hey, have we? do I live in a flood zone? You know, ask your neighbors if they've ever had to evacuate because of, of flood waters. You know, find out. That That's really the step number one when it comes to hurricane preparedness. And, and Nick, find one, out what your steps are. And one thing, uh, uh, again, that I want to throw in is that it doesn't have to be a full-fledged hurricane to be a storm that presents a lot of weather and possibility for, for flooding. Yeah. Well, you know, the perfect example of that, Tom, was, uh, remember I mentioned uh, we had Arthur, Bertha, and Cristobal already this season. Remember Bertha in late May? Um, it uh, basically tracked uh, 
oh, gosh, it, it it was very briefly named. I uh, just only lasted a few uh, hours, in fact, before it made from the time it was named to the time it made landfall. But as its remnants were moving uh, northward across the Carolinas and and over and across the uh, Charlotte metro area and up the up the the, the western Piedmont, um, it spawned a tornado up in uh, uh, Warren County. So you know, even an early season storm like that can present threats. So <laughs> believe it or not, we've already had uh, tr- you know sort of indirectly related tropical cyclone damage here in 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 the Carolinas uh, already. Okay. We've got a couple of minutes here before we take our, our next break. Uh, uh, do you have a direction you'd like to go, or would you like to just maybe go through the uh, kind of information that uh, you would have presented the week uh, that uh, we had the week for Hurricane Awareness Week? Well, certainly never. Um, you can never um, remind folks enough about the safety, uh, the things to do. Uh, to prepare for the hurricane season. So, you know what, the weather is, um, well, the weather's wet, but there's no tropical cyclone activity out there right now. So, you know, so why not, uh, you know, until uh, while we're waiting for the season to ramp up, why not take the time to uh, get prepared um, and learn what you can do to stay safe during hurricane season? Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that. Yeah, well, you can you can go ahead and buy the plywood and you can store in uh non-perishables and, and, and in terms of food and get all the things you need to do ready so you won't be doing it at, at the last moment. And the fact that uh, the distribution system for like grocery stores and, and other things have been disturbed by the economic crisis uh, means more, more than ever that you need to be ahead of the curve, so to speak, in, in planning things and buying things that you need to have on hand. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, when, when we talk about hurricane preparedness, we try to break it down into uh, topics that, you know, during Hurricane Preparedness Week, we focused on each one of those topics uh, uh, each day during Hurricane Preparedness Week. So, you know, as I kind of already touched on, determining your risk is, is the first thing you need to do. You know, find out what when a hurricane or a tropical storm, you know, affects the Carolinas, what's most likely going to happen? To you know, to my home, to my business, to to the the, the areas around me. If you you know, for example, if you live closer to the coast, you need to um, you know find out, figure out. Okay, do I do I live in a flood prone area? Has my area, has my home, has my neighborhood ever been affected by storm surge in the past? Or if I you know, if you live near a main stem river, has has uh, has your property ever flooded with um, you know some of the prior um, big time flood hurricanes that we've had uh, in, in the past. You know, inland flooding is a big deal here in the Carolinas. So, you know, find out, determine your risk, and then uh, once you determine your risk, you know, should you decide or should you learn that uh, that that certainly you live in a place that has evacuated in the past or may need to evacuate, you need to develop an evacuation plan. You know, find out if you live in an evacuation zone. And then figure out where you're going to do, or where you're going to go, rather, and how you're going to get there. Uh, you need to plan a route, plan for your pets if you have, uh, if you have pets. Um, and then, you know, should a storm come upon us and uh, officials uh, order evacuations, obviously, you know, you need to follow those orders and, and do what the officials uh, tell us in terms of, uh, of evacuation. So, number one, just find out um, 
where you live uh, in terms of if it's in an evacuation zone. In fact, the state of North Carolina has just introduced a, um, uh, uh, an effort to uh, have hurricane uh, evacuation zones uh, along the coast and along flood-prone areas. So, um, so you uh, certainly want to um, uh, research uh, the Know Your Zone initiative and efforts here uh, that have just been rolled out by uh, North Carolina Emergency Management. So, um, so that's, uh, that's the second step. Um, in hurricane preparedness. And there are many more uh, steps ahead, um, like assembling disaster supplies, getting insurance checkups, strengthening your home, and so forth. And I've got uh, plenty of advice for all those, Tom, if we have time. Okay, we will. And uh, we're about ready to take our news break here. Uh, you're listening to Nick Petro, who is warning preparedness meteorologist. Does that sound right, Nick? I was going to take, take a chance that I would get it right tonight. But he, he, he does forecasting for the National Weather Service and is, is our weather guy who visits with us uh, usually about once a month, sometimes not as often, sometimes more often, as is needed. And he's going to be talking some more about the weather that we're having now and that we may be having coming up. But right now on News Radio 680 WPTF, we need to check the news. News Radio 680 WPTF and on FM 98.5. You can hear WPTF and hear the weather. 9.33 is our time. Our guest tonight is Nick Petro of the National Weather Service located at the Centennial, on the Centennial campus of NC State University. Nick, uh, uh, one question I want to ask you about that really doesn't have much to do with hurricanes but with, in fact, tornadoes. Uh, I believe uh, you were among those who may have gone to Warren County within the last couple of weeks to discover whether or not there was a tornado there or not. Yes, I was. In fact, uh, did that storm survey. But t- tell us what you what you're looking for when you go out like that and determine whether the, whether it was straight line winds that did the damage or or circular winds. Yeah, Tom. Well, nowadays it's actually a lot easier to make that determination than it has in the past. Thanks to a, a, an important upgrade that our radar received a couple of years ago, so we have the ability now with our uh, weather radar to detect debris that gets lofted. Now you see, when when there's straight line wind damage, typically the um, debris that's caused by the winds gets pushed out and more down towards the ground. Sometimes it can get kicked up in the air, but most of the time it gets spread out horizontally. With a tornado, typically the debris gets sucked up, you know, almost like a vacuum cleaner sucking up debris into the sky, and it gets lofted vertically. And when it gets lofted vertically, we can see that uh, with our radar. We have a detection, a means of detection called the tornado debris signature. So oftentimes, I I have a pretty good idea even before I get there um, as to whether or not it was a tornado or straight line wind. Um, basic, just based on whether or not I see the debris signature uh, on the radar. If I don't see the debris signature, well, then more than likely it was straight line winds because the debris wasn't lofted up. So anyway, once I get there, though, I can oftentimes tell, um, it, you know, be able to confirm with 100% certainty that it was a tornado, um, typically based on the damage pattern. So a lot of times I'll head straight for the trees. Uh, if there are trees around that got blown down, because the trees leave a very distinctive uh, fallen pattern. Though the way the trees fall, they leave a pattern when it's straight line versus tornadic. 
And um, oftentimes, you know, uh, folks have commented in the past when they've seen me doing storm stair surveys, they'd ask me, well, you know, why did you walk right past this, this home that was major damage and into the trees where the trees didn't really affect anything? And I tell them, well, it's because the trees, you know, hold more of the clues than structural damage. You see, tornadoes and straight-line winds can cause very similar structural damage. But the tornadoes will leave a very distinctive pattern in the trees. So a lot of times when I'm doing these surveys, I go right for the vegetation to see how the trees are laid down. In this case, uh, with, uh, with the Warren County tornado in mid-May, uh, there was some tall grass, and you can see uh, the, 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 the circulation pattern in the grass. It was very, very impressive. But even before I got there, I kind of had a pretty good idea that there was a tornado because we had a tornado debris signature on radar. How do you come up with those? One more question. How do you come up with the F ratings? Is it by how much the trees, say, have been bent over or knocked down or the grass or whatever, or how do you determine that? Well, see, we um, we have a the scale, the enhanced Fujita scale. And uh, uh, Fujita, who did the original work on the Fujita scale, the F scale, um, you know, uh, really, um, Ted Fujita, um, assign, develop the scale as a way to determine the wind speed with the tornado. Now, one thing we determined over the years was that, you know, the, the type of damage, you know, um, is oftentimes uh, modified by the strength um, or how well built a, a structure is that was damaged or whether a tree is, you know, is, is weak or, or diseased versus a, versus a healthy tree. So that's how we uh, were able to develop the enhanced Fujita scale by allowing us to take a look at the structural integrity or the health of trees that may have fallen uh, to to give us a better idea of what the wind speeds are. So the F scale is nothing more than a wind scale that allows us to look at the damage and uh, based on the uh, the degree of damage and the damage indicator. The damage indicator being you know what it was that was damaged. So was it a tree that was damaged? Was it a building that was damaged? Was it a one-story home, a two-story home? You know, each one of these things I've mentioned, those are all called damage indicators. And then we have degrees of damage. We go through and we say, okay, was, was, you know, was the, uh, just a couple limbs broken off that tree? Or was the tree snapped? Was the tree uprooted? You know, and based on each of those types of damage, I could plug it into a program, and then it will assign a wind speed. Uh, which can then be given um, an EF scale rating uh, or, or corresponds to a certain rating on the EF scale. Now, I have the final determination to look at that uh, tree or that building and say, okay, that tree was really strong, or so I can increase the, uh, the, the, the wind speed from the first guess. Or if it was a diseased tree, maybe a tree that was half fallen over already, I may opt to lower the wind speed and maybe give it a lower EF scale. So anyway, that, that's a look inside of how we, um, we, uh, we do uh, tornado surveys. Um, but ultimately, uh, we assign an enhanced Fujita scale uh, wind rating to determine how strong those winds are. Well, I'm glad that you did that. That's the first time I actually have ever heard this. I'm not saying that you or someone else hasn't done it, but I probably just wasn't tuned in on that particular time. So now I have a oh, sense of how you accomplished that. Uh, if you if if you feel feel like we could, I'm kind of interested in in, in the larger weather picture of, of the say 
the the United States, the Midwest, and 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 then the moving in this direction. Uh, an awful lot of time weather heads this way from from the west coast or from somewhere in the in the Rockies and so on, but it ends up going up into the Ohio Valley, and we seem sometimes to get as much of our weather from the north, from from east of the Appalachians as otherwise. What do you see in that picture right now? Well, certainly um, we've we've been in a pattern that has um, uh, been somewhat of a cooler wetter pattern, obviously, um, but but that pattern. Um, obviously, we're we're watching for uh, for changes and, and and shifts in pattern. Um, and, and right now, we we we're we're in this until we can get rid of this low pressure system. Uh, we're going to be in a uh, somewhat of a of a, of a cooler, um, more wetter pattern. But ultimately, you know, we're we're looking to see where the heat is building across the country and and what may be headed our way. Um, right now, it looks like um, the rest of this week into oh early next week, we're going to sort of stay in a in a near uh, normal pattern once we get rid of this rain. That is, so once we head towards uh, later this week, we'll, we'll get back close to the normal. But then, as the next uh, frontal system approaches, that might bring the next chance for rain. You know, it's been interesting in that the the, the real heat of the season so far has been to our west. Um, so that's where, right, you know, thus far we've had, you know, the warmest temperatures, the, the greatest amount of, of uh, drought, if you will. It's been dry, hot and dry, um, really um, across the, um, oh, a large part of the western U.S., especially the west coast, um, the uh, high plains down to northern Texas and into the eastern Rockies, uh, all the way up into Oh, the, the, the central and, and northern Rockies have seen a touch of drought. So, so that's, been, that's been the real, um, uh, real notable uh, thing that we've seen. In fact, it's almost like the cool season. You know, it, it was so warm and, and uh, you know, uh, if we didn't have much of a winter, it's almost like the, the cool pattern kind of finally moved east, but it didn't happen until, you know, late, late, uh, uh, late, late spring and early summer here. So. Uh, so certainly, um, it looks like at least for the for the near near future, at least for the one month outlook, it looks like the, the worst of the heat um, will stay over the central plains and maybe the eastern Rockies. And uh, it looks like we're going to stay kind of um, close to normal, both with uh, temperature and precipitation as we look further down the road. Um, you know, heading towards the late the late uh, summer. It looks like we may finally get into a, an opportunity as we head toward, um, oh, toward uh, July and August. Maybe we'll see a little bit of a, of a warm-up, um, whereas uh, the, the central plains may cool down. But the heat is really going to be its worst in the Four Corners region of the country out towards the West Coast. So, um, and, and we'll see. You know, some, some episodes of rain may help keep temperatures down as well across the east. So. You know what? It's my kind of summer, actually. Oh, and <laughs> I, little, little oh I like this, too. I, I think what we had in uh, March, April, and May was sort of winter light or spring light. You know, uh, uh, I don't think our furnace came on, uh, to tell you the truth. Uh, uh, and uh, and now we've, we've, we've sort of flip-flopped that now when we might expect it to be a little warmer. It's actually some of that coolness that may have been hiding back three or four months ago has, has come out. But, but it's... Uh, 
turned out to be a, a very nice spring so far, and and it will in fact end astronomically. I believe the the the, the date or the time is this Saturday, if I remember correctly. And, and yeah, I have uh, Saturday, June twentieth, is when uh, summer uh, in the northern hemisphere will get. That, that sounds right to me, too. Well, Nick, I appreciate you wandering all over the, the weather map there a little bit with us, but helping us uh, understand what's going on in the larger picture. We've got one more segment to the program, so we're going to take a break and come back. And and uh, uh, as the, my, my uh, interviewer's book always says, you should always say to your guests, is there anything that we should have talked about that we haven't talked about? And give you your give you your head there. So if, you, if there's any topic that you want to bring to our attention that we haven't talked about, feel free to give it to us right after this. live in real time on WPTF on this Monday night, June 15th. I didn't get a chance to promo earlier, but tomorrow night, uh, uh, Nicholas... Uh, Graham and Cecilia Moore are going to talk about their new book. They're both historians at Chapel Hill. And their book is called UNC A to Z. And if you've uh, ever been a student at, at, the, at the University of Chapel Hill for any time, you would enjoy this book and looking at uh, what it explains to you about the buildings and the other things and the curiosities that are there. Uh, Nick and Cecilia will be with us tomorrow night. Uh, Dr. Walden will be our guest to talk about the economy on Wednesday night. And uh, Dr. Funkhauser will be here with another episode in his Necrology. This week he's going to be talking about prominent sports figures who have passed since the beginning of the year. Right now we're talking with uh, another Nick, Nick Petro of the National Weather Service. Nick, I, I handed you the ball and said, you know, you could run with whatever you wanted to do uh, at the, in this last quarter of the program. But if I may, could could we talk for just a second about flooding uh, that might take place on North Carolina rivers, like the the mighty news which runs through my hometown of Goldsboro. We, we were never going to have a flash flood there, but we might gradually, if enough rain came down upstream, might have flooding a flooding situation. Yeah, Tom, it's um, you know with two to four inches of rain expected, you know that water has to go somewhere. And um, right now, some of the um, uh, some of our forecasts um, or models that uh, predict uh, whether or not you know there there's a potential for flooding. Um, some of those models do show uh, that we could see uh, many of the main stem rivers across central and eastern North Carolina uh, begin to rise. In fact, uh, it's our official forecast, um, for example, the Neuse River to see some uh, uh, close to minor flooding. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on it. Our official forecast has, uh, for example, the News River Smithfield uh, topping out just under minor flood stage. But you know what? If we end up with a little bit more rain uh, than what that model's thinking we'll receive, then that, that could go higher. Or if for some reason the storm speeds up, we get less rain, then that, that could be a little lower. So, you know, we're going to be uh, very close to uh, flood stage. Uh, in fact, um, you know, where additional, where the heaviest rain is expected across the northeast part of, part of the state, for example, the Tar River, um, we have that going uh, well into flood stage um, by, by um, gosh, by, by later Thursday. Um, and then we have it peaking uh, just below moderate flood stage, uh, uh, Tarboro, um, and, um, and there's Greenville. some uh, flooding expected at, uh, in Greenville on the Tar River. So, yeah. So especially if you live along, uh, you know, any of the uh, main stem rivers or big creeks, 
or streams across the eastern and northeast part of the state. Yeah, definitely river flooding is um, is certainly forecast and expected. Uh, a little bit further to the west, um, once you get west of Raleigh, we don't expect any uh, river flooding. But uh, basically the eastern half of the state, easternmost portion of the state, really where we're going to have to watch those rivers. One of the things that we haven't talked about in the last uh, in the, tonight, and I think in the last visit, is is the ways that people can stay in tune with what the weather situation is. And that is, I don't understand all these apps and things that you folks have now, but there are ways that people can can take advantage of the electronic possibilities and find out what the weather is is and is going to be a lot quicker. And of course, we always have. The, the the news and weather on News Radio WPTF, but also the the broadcast service of the National Weather Service uh, that is dedicated to for the uh, for presenting the the weather to those who are listening. Yeah, absolutely. We have a, a variety of ways, an abundance of ways to uh, stay in tune with the weather uh, at the National Weather Service, namely our uh, website at weather.gov, <clears throat> or if you uh, you can go. Um, uh, right there, that's easy to remember, weather.gov, and then you just click on the map for where you live or plug in your zip code and hit go. And there is just so much information, just about every piece of advice and and, and uh, I've I've provided here on this show and others uh, you can find on weather.gov. It's, it's um, you know, there's a, a variety of links and things of interest that I would just recommend folks just go on our webpage and just click around, uh, click all the links and see what you find. You might be surprised. Um, you also mentioned uh, the dedicated radio broadcast uh, for weather information. That's provided via NOAA Weather Radio, which is on the NOAA Weather Radio bands. Um, so uh, in order to pick that up, you need a special receiver that you can you know, buy pretty much anywhere at all the big box stores or online. Uh, NOAA, as in National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, uh, Weather Radio. And uh, we provide a 24-7, 365 broadcast. It's a looping five-minute loop of, of weather information. And the beauty of that radio is whenever we issue a weather warning, uh, that radio will sound an alarm uh, uh, to, to let you know that a warning has been issued for your area. Well, I think you're exactly right about the website. You, you One of the first things that I do every morning is go in and sit down at my computer and click on that. And I can find out just about what I want to know within 15 or 20 minutes for the whole day by doing that, and uh, it's all kind of interesting, and you have lots of satellites. In fact, I wanted you to know that I noticed there was a note on your website that you have a new weather person at, at the NOAA Weather Center. Did oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been... Uh, we've Tager, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we just... Uh, yeah, Jimmy uh, Tager just came uh, to us from the... Uh, believe it or not, from the West Coast, the San Diego uh, National Weather Service Office. Uh, made the trip uh, to the east here to join our office. Um, and, but he's not the only one. We've had a, a bunch of uh, new folks recently join us, Aaron Swiggett, Andrew Crenn, um, and uh, 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 many other folks um, over the last uh, couple of years. Um, so uh, while we've um, uh, while we uh, have had quite a few new folks, uh, we still have the core of our lead forecasters who have been around for a long time, lots of great experience, and certainly we're all happy to serve the the residents of, of, of the Carolinas. And I'm so glad that you're willing to, to serve it uh, uh, on, on certain dates on News Radio 680 WPTF. We've had a, an excellent program tonight, and I, I want to thank you for that. I will, I'm going to wind it up now. 
and uh, let you go. But I appreciate you being returning so quickly to be with us, and we'll be talking to you again before long. Oh, uh, thank you, Tom. Nick Petro of the National Weather Service has been our guest, keeping us up to date with the weather. Uh, on News Radio 680 WPTF. Tomorrow night we're going to talk about UNC A to Z.